0: You deserve an advocate. Am I wrong? Kev Mo for a little blues, a little jazz. Love it. I actually, this sounds like uh, the old school, right? Like B.B. King, you know? Muddy Waters, John Lee Hooker. I, so I, I was very surprised when I actually found that this is from an album in 1995. I thought this was maybe more like 70s or 80s. I'm really getting into the Kev Mo if you haven't, uh, haven't noticed. You want to know it's now, ESPN Radio. Go check out the ESPN Montana app if you want to watch us. We are not on SWX right now because we got the College World Series, uh, the NAIA College World Series going on SWX right now. This is thing in the first hour of the show. We got our top 10 storylines coming out of the weekend that was one of the uh, great finales of the year when we wrap up spring sports across the prep level. We also talked some random questions from around the wide world of pro sports and toxic Major League Baseball, and gave you some wings. You can find everything from our number one on the Nuana's Now podcast, probably presented by Sportsbet Montana, as well as the advocates. You want to get a hold of us? You want to be a part of the show? You can always call and or text the Rangage Brothers RV phone line, 406-888-1029. You got comments, questions, concerns, what were your top performances of the weekend? What do you think of the NBA Finals? What do you think of some of the best storylines in sports? Is 61 the single-season home run record in Major League Baseball, or is it 73? Any and all engagement. Welcome, 406-888-1029. Time for a little NBA blindside. It was a great Game 7 Sunday between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. Boston. Ended up prevailing. They also covered, which made me very happy, won me very much money. Thanks, Sports Bet Montana. I was sweating. I had the Celtics minus three and a half, and they won by four. This this is when you know your gambling is either really right on point because you're picking the right lines or maybe over the top because uh, you're sitting there screaming at the TV not for who's going to win or lose, but how much they're going to win or lose by. But such is the the day and age that we live in, and uh, your boy won. So that's a good thing. Uh, We'll do a little NBA blindside now, NBA Finals blindside with our guy Andrew Houghton, our producer here at ESPN Montana. The uh, Golden State Warriors punched their ticket to the finals with, as Andrew called it last week, the gentleman's sweep of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, It was a decisive effort. The Warriors are rolling right now. They're clicking on all cylinders. They not only have their traditional big three of Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green... Rolling along, but Steve Kerr continues to flex his coaching muscles. Jordan Poole has gone from the G League to uh, one of the great bench scorers in the NBA. They've gotten great uh, contributions from Jonathan Kaminga and Kevon Looney and a bunch of other guys. And then Andrew Wiggins has sort of been this X factor that no one expected him to be. On the other side, the Boston Celtics, they look smart because they acquired all of these assets. And this has been sort of a five- or six-year plan where they stockpiled all these different guys. And they, they weren't scared to cut ties with guys like Gordon Hayward, who's a great player for their franchise, guys like Kemba Walker, guys like Kyrie Irving. They moved them in, moved them out. And they stuck with their two young wings that they drafted, number three overall, each one of them, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. They built a squad around them. They got great role players like Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Al um, Horford. And a variety of other guys. Robert Williams, you gotta mention. Grant Williams, you gotta mention. And now here they are, back in the finals for the first time in more than a decade. And they've done it under a first year head coach. And you have to also argue that Ime Adoka, who's one of the top, or excuse me, one of the most successful first year coaches we've ever seen, a guy who was uh, a Portland State alum, former Big Sky Conference standout, he's got the Celtics in the finals. In his first year, and it wasn't only who they got rid of on their roster, but it was also who they got rid of on their bench. They gave Brad Stevens an offer he couldn't refuse. Danny Ainge moves out of his sort of uh, executive director role there with the Celtics. Brad Stevens moves in the front office. Emi Udoka slides in on the bench. Celtics into the finals. Before we get into this finals matchup, though, my first blindside question for you, Andrew was, is, what did you think of Jimmy Butler's three-point shot with uh, in the waning seconds of that Game 7 Eastern Conference Finals game?
1: I hated it at the moment, you know, when I was watching it live because I thought he was going right to the rim. I mean, I thought he was just going to freight train his way in there. There was no help defense looking at it. Um, sort of the replays as the, as the commentators were discussing it. Nobody in the paint. All you got to do is get by Al Horford. He'd been finishing tough shots at the basket all night, and there was still the possibility the A and won there. But ironically, you know, thinking about it, looking at how short he left it, made me think that it wasn't a terrible idea, man, because his legs were gone. Uh, you know, Jimmy Butler had played every second of that game, and it was crazy, uh, you know, legendary performance. I'm not sure he had enough juice left in him at that moment to take the one or two more hard dribbles that he needed to get to the rim. And being up one is a lot different spot than being tied because uh, you make the three, you go up one, you put the pressure on the Celtics coming back as opposed to they know that they're going to overtime if it's tied. So, I did, I can see why he did it. I think he was just exhausted coming down the court. Saw that he had the chance to to win the series right there, yeah. not send it to overtime. Um, and and it was open, man. Horford didn't really get a good contest on it. I, I you know, Jimmy Butler's not a great three point shooter, but he's, I,
0: he's actually, in fact, the worst three point shooter, not named Russell Westbrook, who has any name
1: recognition in the NBA. We've talked about this. We have. But he'd been making big shots all series. It's his prerogative after what he had done in Game 6 and earlier in that Game 7. If he wants to take the shot, um, you know, like Mark Jackson sort of said, you live or you die by by what he wants to do. And I was I was okay with it.
0: The, the, the number one detail that people are killing Jimmy Butler for is that he had Al Horford on him. Because they're saying, well, you could have easily got to the rim. You're at least
1: going to tie the game, and maybe you can even draw a foul and get an and one. Well, here's the thing. What if Horford just hacks him? Right. Then you're shooting two free throws that you have to make both to tie? For sure.
0: Uh, here's, here's the thing. I, I didn't think it was a bad shot then, and I don't think it's a bad shot now. Why? Because you have to accept people for what they are. You have to accept players for what they are. That shot is Jimmy Butler in a nutshell. Jimmy Butler is an all-in type of guy. Jimmy Butler's not trying to hedge his bets. Jimmy Butler's not trying to play for overtime. Jimmy Butler's trying to win. And if he doesn't win, he's, he, brought, he wants to make sure that he's the one in control of the losing. So uh, I thought it was an unbelievable performance by the Miami Heat. It was a really weird back-and-forth series with as many runs as we've ever seen in a series. Like It, it went seven games, but... There was so many times when either team was up by like 20 to 25, as many as 40 points in this series. It was definitely very strange. All that said, though, it's a great culmination for the Celtics. I know that the Celtics have had more cumulative success as a franchise than anybody in NBA history. And so, you know, spinning it as any sort of uh, feel-good story is nauseating to a lot of people. But this current iteration of the Celtics, the moves that they made the confidence they had, the fact that they went all in on the young guys and not, I mean, so many teams in the NBA would have just gone all in on Kyrie Irving and they didn't. And who's sitting at home and who's in the NBA finals. It's a great Testament to their uh, savvy in the front office. And, and you know, also who, who sort of forces Brad Stevens out. No one would ever do that except the Celtics. And then they replace him with this completely anonymous head coach who got the best out of his guys. So uh, it's a great story. Nuwana's now ESPN Radio. Well, NBA Finals blindside. All right. Andrew Houghton, our producer, joining us. All right, what you
1: got? I've got a take for you. Okay. Not necessarily about the That's finals, good. but about the playoffs here. Okay, great. My take, and we were, we were just talking about him. The losers in the conference finals, and I'm talking about Jimmy Butler and Luka Doncic, yep, yep. raise their stock in this playoffs more than anybody else. And I'm counting people on the Celtics, and I'm counting people on the Warriors, and I'm counting anybody else in the playoffs. Agree or disagree? Man. I
0: think that the only other guy you could really put in the mix, I think there's actually two guys you could put in the mix. Um, but it's all about like the proportionality that you use. I think that people saw the Luka Doncic train coming, but it, it it did change the conversation from, man, how good is this guy gonna be to just how freaking good is this guy? Like he, Luka Doncic is not the up-and-coming 19-year-old anymore. Luka Doncic is absolutely bonafide first-team All-NBA dude. That's fun to see. Jimmy Butler, I think because of his how do you even say this? Jimmy Butler is one of the great underdog stories in pro sports. But Jimmy Butler also likes it that way. So even though he did raise his stock, I still think that next year, Jimmy Butler is still going to be the Rodney Dangerfield of, of the NBA. You know, no respect. Nobody gives me any respect. I think the only other two guys you could throw in there, though, are Jason Tatum. Because I think that Tatum has certainly been in the conversation is one of the 10 or 12 best guys in the league. And now I think that's not a conversation anymore. He's absolutely there. And he might be one of the top five guys in the league. And if he leads them to an NBA title, leads the Celtics an NBA title, he might be the best guy in the league right now. So he's definitely though one of along this same line. And then I think that the, the fourth guy, and that's why I say it sort of depends on where you start the conversation is Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins is, is not going to be one of the the seven or eight best players in this NBA Finals, yet he's going to be perhaps the most important player, and he has also gone from, as I've stated many times on this show the last couple weeks, based on analytics, but I'm not, I'm not an analytics guy, but I do think that some of the analytics stuff in terms of your performance defensively, both when you are guarding the player with the ball, but also in terms of your ability to rotate and things like that, Andrew Wiggins was the worst starting player analytically, defensively in the in the NBA before he got to Golden State. And now he is a really good defensive player, and he will be a key guarding either Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or both uh, in this NBA final. So even though Wiggins didn't go from something to now a top 10 player, but he went from a number one overall pick who a lot of people thought was a disappointment, a bust, to now a
1: a guy who is playing a pivotal role on a potential championship team. Yeah, I see what you're saying with Wiggins. I think for me it does matter, you know, the level that you're making the jump up to. It's a lot harder to make the jump as I think both Luka, Luka to a greater extent, but also Jimmy Butler. Not even from, because I think everybody thought that Luka Doncic was a a top 10 or top 5 player. I mean, he was first team All-NBA this year. But a top 10 or top 5 player who has it in these moments in the playoffs. It's its a huge jump, right? I mean, he's a guy who you yeah. can build a winning team around. And you know that for sure now because he's going to bring it. And he's not just going to maintain his standard. He's going to step up his standard of play in the most important moments. You don't know that about a player until they get in those moments. So for Luka to do that, I feel like it was a bigger step up. I mean, Andrew Wiggins made a huge jump. And it's hugely important for that Warriors team. But Luca made a jump that only a few players are, are, have ever been capable of. Just because, you know, his potential is so much higher. No one is now. ESPN Radio.
0: The, uh, I, it's so funny. Because a lot of times when you, you start talking NBA with males. Talking NBA with men is so funny. Because there's such a, a, a distinct age uh, influence in it, you know, like my my uncle Chris, who's uh, you know in his early 70s, a guy that grew up loving you know Kareem Abdul Jabbar and you know guys that were great players in the 70s, and early 80s. He texted me this morning. He said, "Who you got in the finals?" He said, "I'm glad to see Miami gone, the flopping and touching the face." acting like you're dying. It's gotten about as bad as soccer. I don't know why on the drive down the middle, the guy doesn't just pull up for a five-footer instead of barreling into everybody. It seems easy, but it's not. And then I started teasing him. But it's so funny because that's such a common notion among older uh, NBA fans or basketball fans. Then the younger guys, you know, oftentimes they're talking about the analytics and the rising stars just like we are right now. But I also find it so funny and so fun to talk NBA with females that really love the NBA because they analyze their like and dislike of players in a lot different fashion. So we were talking some NBA finals at the, uh, at the barbecue I was at on Friday night and a bunch of gals that were big basketball fans and across the board, they all hate Luka Doncic. And I was like, wow, you got to appreciate like his spatial awareness, his ability to get it. And they're like, nope, bad attitude. Don't like him. All he does is sneer and talk crap and blah blah blah, and I just thought that was so interesting. But it also opened my eyes because Luka is this is he's a truly global phenomenon already. I mean, if you collect sports cards or sports memorabilia, you know that Luka Doncic is uh, absolutely one of the top, uh, most coveted personalities or I guess players uh, in. Um, in the, in the world of sports right now he he is beloved across the globe part of that is his international flavor part of that's his game part of that's his age all of it but he's like I mean he's probably the most famous NBA star right now in China which was a, a pedestal that was held by Kobe Bryant for for two two decades probably um but it's just it's always interesting to find the the opposite side of the coin right it's always f- really funny and interesting to to uh, hear that side of things. And I just thought it was so funny that that uh, some of these women just had so much vitriol for Luca.
1: Yeah, I've heard a lot about the the flopping and the bad body language. Here's the complaints that I've heard about the NBA playoffs this year. I've heard a lot about the flopping. I have heard a lot about the body language and, and sort of the complaining to referees and sort of entwined with that. I've heard a lot of complaints about the... Uh, The replay reviews, right? I mean, it seems like every hard foul they're checking. If it's a flagrant, is it a flagrant one or a two? Um, Here's the thing, though. I don't think any of that has taken away from the product. The product itself has been as entertaining as it's ever been. See, this is so funny because this is sort of the theme of today's show. Uh, Maybe it's because
0: of the generation of sports we grew up in and, like, the the hypersaturation as well as just like the the constant headlines, the constant headlines that have to do with scandal. But just like the the Jimbo Fisher-Nick Saban pissing match is just irrelevant to me because I'm not surprised by any cheating in high-level college football. It's the same thing as... If baseball is America's pastime, one of the main reasons Ameri- baseball is America's pastime is because Americans love to cheat or they love to find a systematic edge. They're always jockeying for an edge. Cheating's always been a part of baseball. It's just like this. Like, I'm impervious now. So many people tell me, man, I can't stand watching the NBA because of this, that, and the other thing, the flops and yada, yada, yada. I don't even see it like that. Like, when Luka Doncic is doing his sneer or talking his crap or whatever, it's just part of the character building. I, I I don't know. It it's no sweat off of my back. It doesn't turn me off from it at all. In fact, I hardly even
1: notice it. The trash talking makes me like him more. Right. The complaining to the referees I could do without. The, the little sneer because it's doubly funny to me because he's got the baby face. That makes me like him more. Cuz I, you know, I respect a guy who talks his crap on the basketball court. That's part of, the, you know, part of the game for a lot of people. Um his his smack talking resonates more too
0: because he has an 11-inch vertical. Right, and he's slow. He's not... And he's kind of fat. He's not sitting on your head when he's dunking. He, He, in fact, like when he does that little quick spin move in the post and clears the guy and then he'll literally
1: do the walking layup to taunt them. Like, he won't even jump off the ground. Right, or the world's <laughs> slowest step-back jump shot <laughs> right. and then splashes it in somebody's face from 30 feet. He's like, you cannot hurry me up. It's just so devious and villainous. And that's why I think he
0: frustrates, because so often the other team is putting the most athletic player they have on the roster on Luca, And so he's just taking these... Supreme, way superior athletes to him, and just dicing up. It's like, it's like when you get on the fifty-five-year-old guy at the in the pickup game who doesn't have a first step anymore, but he can hit you with that stupid little elbow fadeaway jump
1: shot. Like that's Luca, but in the NBA, and he's not old. Yeah, and I mean he's averaging thirty-five points per game in the playoffs, <laughs> and he's shooting fadeaways over DeAndre Ayton because he wants to get that switch and take DeAndre Ayton in the post. Yeah, man. Uh, love Luca. Hit me with another question. All right. Um,
0: this is actually a question not about the finals, but about the conference finals as well. I've heard all this chatter now, where so because Luca Doncic is such a uh, young talent, and he's he's in Dallas for the foreseeable future. There's not the the standard. Um, what do the Mavericks do from here? They know what they do from here. They just get better players around Luka Doncic and ride Luka Doncic as far as they can. But the the conversation is happening with the Miami Heat right now. Where are you at with the Heat? Do they? What do they need to do, if
1: anything, uh, moving forward? They're in a little bit of a tough spot. I think that their answer is also to stay the course. Um And I think that is what they will do because Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra, they have the whole heat culture thing down there that we've talked about. I think that, um, you know, sort of uniquely among a lot of teams in the league, they're going to be very confident in their ability to take end-of-the-roster contributors and develop them into, uh, you know, guys who can play in the rotation in the playoffs because they're one of the best in the league at that. Um, with guys like Duncan Robinson and, and et cetera, et cetera. So I think they're going to keep trying to do that. I mean, I think they're going to bring back the same core with Jimmy Butler. I, I know Kyle Lowry's getting old, but he seems ageless. Bam Adebayo's legitimately a, a defensive player of the year contender every year. Those guys are a step below the superstars that the other contenders have. But I think that that team and that organization is going to be really... Confident in their ability to surround that core with pieces who fit and to obtain those pieces cheaply because they believe in their development program. And I think they also believe in the continuity. I think they believe that if they keep this core together, they'll just get better by virtue of playing with each other year over year. And you see that where they've kept Eric Spolster in that coach's spot for so long. I, I, I think they'll just keep it rolling. And I think they'll be, they'll be right there next year does
0: Jimmy Butler have to be their best player for this whole scenario to work? In a perfect world, Bam Adebayo would be their best player. Right. And then Jimmy Butler would be their second best player, but still their leader. Yes, which is a a, a tough needle to thread. I I mean, because I think that that's one of the reasons why Jimmy has always been sort of polarizing, because he hasn't played well with others when the others aren't following him. Like, it didn't work out very well in Philadelphia. It was sort of up and down in Chicago. But now he's got... I think that because he is the greatest underdog of the modern era in the NBA,
1: that's why they can get to the Eastern Conference Finals with eight undrafted players. Right, it's such a great point. Jimmy has to Jimmy has to be the leader, but he's not a locked-in top 5 or top 10 player in the league to where, you know, people sort of other players just sort of gravitate to him as the leader of the team organically because he's just so good. So it, it's super weird, but the heat have that strong culture in place to where he can be the leader but also know that he has to defer sometimes to players like Bam Adebayo or, or Tyler Hero they can sort of keep him in line and he, it's not going to um, explode the way that it has in all of his previous stops can't have soft guys if you want Jimmy Butler on but your Pat sport. Riley doesn't want those guys either that's right
0: so it works Absolutely. You want us now, ESPN radio, SWX Montana television. We'll have some more NBA. We gotta get out because we gotta come back. Treasure State Stars, some of the best individual performances from the weekend that was, highlighting both high school and college athletes from around the state of Montana. It's uh it's a ten star Treasure State Stars. Stay tuned for that. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. like to wish time away. I always try to enjoy the moment. But I am very much looking forward to September. Kenilowas Amphitheater, a Tedeschi Trucks band, one of my favorites. Can't believe they're coming to Missoula. So fun, the music scene here in the Garden City. Welcome back. Nuana's is now ESPN Radio. Go get the ESPN Montana app if you want to see what we're wearing or see what we're doing or see the new studio. It's all cleaned up. Not a new studio. It's just a... A revamped, a reorganized, and decluttered studio. No SWX today, got the NAIA College World Series rolling on the television. But if you want to see us, go get that ESPN Montana app. Great way to listen to, follow this show live and archived anytime. Time now for Treasure State Stars, presented by Parkside Credit Union. We highlight some of the best individual performances from across the state of Montana. Parkside Credit Union, one of the great places in all of Western Montana to get a loan because Parkside Credit Union loves to say yes. Some of this is a rehashing of our top 10 from uh, our top 10 storylines coming out of the weekend, so hopefully we don't have too many uh, repeats here. and I think we did a pretty good job of splicing it all up, but some of the uh, individuals and or groups of athletes are worth highlighting multiple times. Treasure State Star... Number one is the Helena High girls track team. Their first state track and field title since 2000. And they did it behind a phenomenal group of girls that are from a variety of different classes led by Odessa Zenz and Kylie Hartnett. Those two, they were stars the moment they stepped on the track as freshmen at Helena High. And uh, they kept on doing it. Unbelievable careers for both of them, and uh, pretty cool to have two Division I-bound young ladies on the same team. Helena High, they set a all-class state record, or tied an all-class state record, excuse me, with 144 points. So, Desi Zentz. Wins the 800 meters and the 400 meters for the third time each. There's only been three state championship meets during her uh, career because of the 2020 meet getting canceled. So she was denied the opportunity to get uh, a fourth state championship, but she still won the events uh, each of the years that she was, uh, uh, as, she, as she competed in the state meet. She also was the runner up in the 200 meters and was on both of the relay teams for Helena High. Kelly Hartnett, who was a former Montana Gatorade Runner of the Year, uh, also scored a bunch of points in the distance races as well. And uh, Zentz, she's headed to the uh, to Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff. And Hartnett, she's headed to the University of Utah. So those were the, the Spearheads, but also the Todorovic sisters, two names to watch. Logan and Madeline Todorovich; those two will absolutely have Helena High in the mix next year as well. But an all-around outstanding effort, 144 points, tying it all, uh, a Class AA record for team points in a state championship meet. Treasure State star number two, the Missoula Sentinel boys. How about a three-peat? They hadn't won a state title since Missoula Sentinel opened in 1964, and now they've got the last three. 2019, 2021, 2022. Again, there was no state meet in 2020, but a cumulative effort that took a, a bunch of young men to make it happen. But for the guys like Zach Cruz and Drew Klumpf that played football and ran track, what a run. What a outstanding run. One of the great runs by any group of Missoula boys that we've ever seen. One of the great runs in the history of the state of Montana, so congratulations to all those young men going, on on, going out on top one last time. Treasure State star number three, how about all the Montanans that are heading to the NCAA Outdoor Track and Field Championships? you got Christina Aragon, who hails from Billings, a Stanford runner. She's headed to Nationals. Then you also have five, count them five, Montana State Bobcats, Lucy Corbett in the women's high jump, a Bozeman high product, and a five-time Big Sky champion, Duncan Hamilton in the steeplechase, also a Bozeman High product. And a I don't even know how many big sky medals he has already in his illustrious career. He and Levi Taylor, Levi Taylor, a Laurel product, who's only a sophomore there at Montana State. He'll also head to the national championship meet in the steeplechase. So two of the eight best times at the West Regional in the steeplechase, ran by Montana State runners. Levi Taylor, by the way, will join us later on this week interviewing him tomorrow. Going to play that for you, I think, on Thursday. They got Drake Schneider heading back to nationals in the 400-meter hurdles and Colby Wilson. This is a great story for Colby Wilson. He had the second-best pole vault in the history of the Big Sky Conference during the regular season this spring. Then he waited too long to come in during the Big Sky Outdoor Championships and he no hided he, he went 0-3 at the height he came in at at the Big Sky Outdoor Championships. But because... His mark of 17 feet 7 and a half inches was so good. Earlier in the year, he still qualified for national or for uh, regionals, excuse me. Then he goes out and vaults 17-4 at nationals or at, at regionals, excuse me, to place 12th and head to nationals. So, congratulations to Kobe Wilson. Way to get back on the horse. That's uh, impressive. So, five Montana State Bobcats plus Christina Aragon, who hail, who hails from Billings, headed to the NCAA Outdoor Track and Field Championships, which starts. In Eugene, Oregon, Tracktown, USA, a week from tomorrow. Treasure State Stars, presented by Parkside Credit Union. Treasure State Star number four, Trayton Anderson. We told you about all of his exploits. He won all the races he possibly could win and scored so many different points for the uh, Dillon Beavers as they win the Class A team title for the first time since 2019. Of all the great performances for Sentinel to earn their third straight AA title, Hunter Lepke, probably the most surprising one and, and uh, maybe the most satisfactory one. He's our Treasure State star number five. He ran a personal best time in the 100 meters to win a objectively stacked field. And uh, his PR, a huge 10-point buoy for the Sentinel boys. And one of, if not the key factors to lifting Sentinel over the top. So congratulations to Hunter Lepke. We haven't highlighted any of the athletes from the Class A girls track and ch- field championships, how about Brooke Zatouni from Whitefish, who helped lead the Whitefish girls to uh, the state championship as a team? Zatuni won the 100 meters and the 200 meters. She also la- ran legs on both uh, title-winning relay teams, and she finished second in the 400. So you count them up, and she was a part of 48 points for the Whitefish girls. So that's, uh, that's a good way to go get it done. So Brooke Zatuni of Whitefish, our Treasure State star number six. Treasure State star number seven. It's Dylan's Ainsley Shipman. She's had a phenomenal track career. She contributed to seven different medals over the weekend for the Dylan girls. She swept the hurdles events. She also won the long jump and the triple jump and placed in a variety of others. So, seven total medals for Ainsley Shipman this last weekend. And she finishes her career with seven gold medals at the Class A level. So, an outstanding career for Ainsley Shipman. Treasure State star number eight, Evelyn DeChance from Missoula Loyola. She finishes her high school career undefeated. Three state championships. Again, no 2020. So a lot of these athletes robbed of really illustrious four-peats, but still, you can only win what you play. And Evelyn DeChance went undefeated for her entire high school career, including winning a third state championship for Missoula Loyola, who also won their second straight state championship at the Class B level. Treasure State star... Number nine, the Bozeman girls tennis team across the board. They are the dynasty in tennis in Montana. 10 straight class AA titles. In the girls singles final, Meg McCarty, who's a junior, topped freshman Isabel Barr, 6 0, 6 0. McCarty, she is a powerhouse. She has yet to lose a high school set and has lost just two games, not even a set, just two games in her entire uh, varsity career. And uh, so she'll come back as a state champion next year uh, for her senior year. But uh, yet Bozeman versus Bozeman, that shows the dominance of the Hawks in girls tennis. And then finally, Treasure State star number 10, Ross Sunday. Great golf name. Sunday shot a 76 on the second and final day of the Class B state golf tournament to win medalist honors the senior from Red Lodge, your Class B boys state champion. So there you go. Some of the best of the best from over the weekend as part of our Treasure State Stars, which is presented by Parkside Credit Union. Parkside Credit Union, a great place to get a loan because Parkside Credit Union loves to say yes. More NBA and get you set up for the rest of the week. Keep it right here. New us Now, ESPN Radio. If you're ever injured in an accident and you're worried about if a lawyer is going to cost you too much money... The advocates, they will provide help for you. No out-of-pocket costs until your case is settled. You pass the stress of your accident off to the advocates. That helps you focus on getting better. To find out how the advocates can help you, you can call them free of charge, 406-640-4444 today. Or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. This is Nuanez Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Montana. Welcome back. Happy Tuesday. We'll be in Helena on Thursday. Talked to a good friend of this show, good friend of mine, Riley Corcoran, earlier today. We'll be both playing in the uh, Grizzly Scholarship Association Golf Tournament up there and then doing the show live from the Bill Roberts Golf Course. I asked Corcoran what he's doing. He's like, well, I'm just catching up on things and I'm also watching Rafael Nadal versus Novak Djokovic. So someone out there still watches. Top tennis, it, it is sort of striking when you really put into perspective the legacy that these guys got. Because uh, Nadal did beat Djokovic today in in four sets, and uh, that this is at the French Open, and that moves Nadal one step closer to his 14th championship at the French Open, and it would also be his 22nd major trophy overall. Both of those records. Like, think about how good Pete Sampras was. Pete Sampras was sort of the gold standard of the modern era when he retired in the early 2000s with 14 Grand Slams overall. Nadal has won the French Open alone 13 times. Crazy. It's so crazy to me why he's so good on that one specific surface. Like... All points indicate to Rafael Nadal taking a step back as an overall tennis player, yet he still dominates at Roland Garros, which I just find so unbelievable. I I, I guess part of it is just his familiarity with the surface. Is there any other athlete that so dominates on his, like, special surface, I I guess you could say like Larry Bird at the Boston Garden with the Celtics was was pretty unbeatable in the 1980s. I don't know. I'm trying to think of other people that like just truly dominate one sort of... I guess there's not really other sports that are like tennis where the surface is so objectively different. Yeah, it
1: would be like uh, a race car driver maybe? Like, I mean, you're right, talking right, about right, like the right. Boston Garden. That's because of the I, atmosphere and, and right, stuff, not right. because of the surface. Totally. I,
0: I guess you probably have to point to like golf like, Tiger Woods, sure. Tiger Woods at Augusta, like, Tiger can still go low. I mean, Tiger shot a 69 at Augusta this year and then fell apart. But he can still shoot a 69 with, like, two broken legs and, and in his mid-40s. Uh, you know, Tom Watson and his prowess at, at uh, a variety of the British Open courses because of his ability to sort of play Lynx golf and, and play in the wind. And, you know, Tom Watson's probably the, the least powerful hitter in the history of elite golfers, but that's why he's so good at the British Open. Like, even a couple of years ago when Tom Watson in his mid-70s, he was still in the mix of the British because he knows how to keep the ball low and all that stuff. But, yeah, I guess you're right. You probably have to point towards individual sports
1: that have, like, courses that, that people race on. Here's one for you. What about Sandy Koufax and Don Drysdale at Dodger Stadium back Ooh. in the 60s? Because okay. Uh, they would always build the mound up super high for those guys. It's not like an inherent characteristic of that stadium. Right. They'd build the mound up super high for those guys uh-huh. uh, when uh-huh. they were pitching at home. Speaking of baseball, always being about finding a
0: definitive advantage, right? I mean, it's so not if, cheating. You're not trying. It's so funny because, like, they they talk about you know we we've talked so much about steroids and home runs, steroids and and offensive numbers. You made a great point. So many of those guys in the that time of baseball were were likely if not definitively juicing the pitchers as well. But then y- you could find an asterisk for every record in baseball if you went through like Bob Gibson's 1.12 ERA. They lowered the mound after that because he was so dominant pitching from that huge mound. Ty Cobb's triples record. Well, dude wasn't even trying to hit home runs. Like the ba- you know the way that the stadiums worked and uh, there's just so many different ways you can You can go about it. So, I don't know. It's all for naught. But we'll have to think on that. Probably, you're right. That's probably like a race car driver, like an Indy 500 guy. But I don't know enough about it. Right. I mean, the the Earnharts were always great at Daytona. Okay. I mean, Dale Earnhardt, senior Dale Earnhardt Jr. probably have, I don't know, five or six Daytona 500s between the two of them. Richard Petty was always really good at that race. You have to think Indy 500, probably Mario Andretti has to be somewhere
1: in there, too. I don't know. Helio Castroneves yeah, at Indy, somebody sure, like that. Sure, sure. L- Lewis Hamilton's always good at the English Grand Prix, but, I again, that might just be an atmosphere thing. For sure. For sure. And then, like, track and stuff like that. The track is the track. Or swimming,
0: you know, it, the pool is the pool. Yeah. It is interesting because, like, the services in tennis is so is so striking, right? because they are definitively different for the majors and when the majors are and where they are also has a huge influence too, right? like Serena Williams and her endurance has always been so phenomenally good at the Australian Open because guess what the
1: Australian Open is in January in Australia what's that mean the height of summer it's 120 degrees well and the same thing for an adult is right. he you know purpose-built in a lab to win at the French Open because he's got so much endurance for those long rallies and he's still able to you know hit the crap out of the ball when he's 20 shots into a point. Is, is this exist in soccer?
0: Blade, I'm was going. i writing my uh, final football, my Montana Football Hall of Fame bio, and I was going through uh, an interview with Blaine McElmurray, who's one of our inductees this year, and he was like, man, back in the mid-'90s, before everybody had sprint turf, we definitely grew the grass way long at Montana because we knew we had a bunch of slow guys. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and we wanted them to be slow, too, because we knew we could just hit the hell out of them. <laughs> if, if the speed was
1: equaled, we knew we could hit harder, so we we made sure the grass was longer. I don't know. I don't think that stuff exists really anymore either. Yeah, not really. That's a great story, though. I mean, in soccer, you can do something with, like, the... You know, you can make the pitch a little bit bigger or smaller mm. depending, because there's a little bit of leeway in the rules, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it's tough. It's, it's something that's really unique to a lot of the individual sports, I think. For sure. that That's one thing that baseball should market
0: better, too, is is the variety of parks because the crowd has such a huge impact in football, but the field is the exact same size. The crowd has such a big impact in basketball, but the court is the exact same size. Where in baseball, it's all over the place. You can have all sorts of different size fields.
1: Have you seen what they did to Camden Yards this year? No. Well, I mean, they, the Orioles are like historically horrible. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, but at least they had a gorgeous stadium. Well, <laughs> right. now they pushed the left field wall back 15 feet. It looks so ugly, man.
0: So dumb. I don't know why they do this kind of stuff. Nuana's Now, thanks for being here. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Fun show for you. Riley Bergeson, he's headed to the Naval Academy. Outstanding athlete out of Billings West High School. He'll be our latest senior spotlight. We're also going to hear from Tyler Hobbs, Big Sky turned Sentinel head girls basketball coach. we we'll some free wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill, plus more state championship recaps. We'll see you tomorrow at 4 p.m. New on now.